Hey everybody, Mike, Mike, and Oscar here. Uh, before we get started on today's episode, we just uh, wanted to let you in on something regarding the end of the year, the big best of award show that we do, the Mike, Mike, and Oscars. We need your help. Uh, much like last year, we're going to ask a big favor of you. We're going to need your input and have you help us run the show. You're going to be the producers. Write it all. Please, <laughs> write it all. At the end of that year, we, uh, we need you to uh, go nuts uh, with your creativity. We had a blast doing it last year. It was so much funner than the first year because you helped, you gave us the template, give us the categories, give us the nominees. Hell, you know, pitch the winners to us. We'll debate it, discuss it. We have a blast riffing uh, in that episode. Go back and listen to last year's sewed if you want. Uh, yes, there's going to be a best hair. It's going to be right off the bat. You know me by now. But otherwise, yeah, have, have a blast with it. Uh, come up with some weird shit. We're ready. Yeah, so let us know the categories what do you want to hear give us the nominees if you want we will answer them all on air we go more in depth about it at the end of this episode so please do listen to right before the episode is at its end we're going to give you a bigger longer spiel about what we need from you what you can expect and Might why be just as long well, this is going long yeah it's going a little long <laughs> how was your day man you good <laughs> no uh, we want to hear from you is the bottom line there so be sure to check out the end of the episode where we have a more uh, professional ask of you <laughs> for the mike mike and oscars award show and uh, otherwise there's a lot of letters to cover today, so like, let's get into it. A lot going on. Mike, Mike, and the back as the intro said what's this another oscar race checkpoint to fill in your week and of course you need it and so do we just to get all these numbers and stats and noms <laughs> sorted out in our head and hopefully we can do that for you today welcome once again to another episode of mike mike and oscar i am your co-host mike one this is co-host also mike mike we had a ton of nominations break today january 7th as we record this hopefully january 8th when you listen to this we had the dga nominations break today the PGA, that's the Directors Guild, Producers Guild, the Writers Guild broke last night, and also most importantly, in the biggest uh, award show that's kind of mirroring, at least, what the Oscars do most, the BAFTAs, the British Oscars nominations, also broke today as well. Yeah, hello everybody. Uh, so much going on today. I'm going to start with those BAFTA tallies right off the bat here. Joker had 11. The high nominee mark for the day. Joker, 11 BAFTA nominations. So we're going to get into it, obviously. That's what this entire episode is about, all these noms. I guess it's okay to come out of hiding and wholly embrace that you're a fan of Joker now if you're in one of these voting bodies. Because if people were still scared to talk about Joker as a best picture, they would have gotten like five or six noms, right? Brexit. That's all I want to say is Brexit. <laughs> the Irishman, uh, 10 nominations once upon a time in hollywood also 10 nominations those were expected i mean those were favorites all year round we we figured as much 1917 with nine nominations i get that yep. this is a british war movie celebrating uh, an unheralded uh, event in world war one that means a lot to people over there just like the dunkirk movie meant a lot to people over there jojo rabbit again world war ii makes some sense marriage story two popes little women the the first two there with five nominations 
nominees, Little Women with five as well. I, I get why those don't get as much here. They'll probably get a, a one or two more at the Academy, perhaps. Little Women, I'm glad to see it coming on a little stronger of late. Agree. Parasite's way down. Rocket Man with four, four Sama with four, but Parasite only getting four. You look at that Cheshire Crack git grin <laughs> that nobody could see but me right now. You are really happy about this, or you you feel like this is validation? We're gonna get into it, and we have we both prepared our notes. We have basically a, an entire script for this episode because we did so much research, you and I, and we have, have the separate trends. We and do. The stats. We do We're gonna stuff. try to convince each other of different things. Uh, my goal is to convince you by the end of this that Parasite is hanging on by a thread as a legitimate and serious Best Picture contender. Well, the best evidence you have is that the BAFTA has the largest crossover in terms of the uh, the Academy. Yeah. Yeah, that is evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Except they mistitle their uh, their movies. They have Le Mans 66. <laughs> what is that? We've now, never of course, heard that. that's Ford v. Ferrari, Bobshell, <laughs> Ford v. Ferrari, Judy, and Star Wars. Not Wars. American! We don't want it! <laughs> Le Mans... <laughs> Apostrophe before the 66? That's, that's French for the man's. The man's 66? <laughs> Goodbye, 66? every other listener. Uh, yep. uh, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, Judy LeMans, and Bombshell, all with three nominations from the BAFTA. So that's the rundown for the BAFTAs, but if you were online when the BAFTAs nominations broke, it didn't take very long if we're talking about the good, which most of this episode will be about. We also have to comment on the controversy and the bad, and there was no lack of that. BAFTAs so white trended almost immediately on the heels of this coming out. There were every acting category, no people of color. There was also the outrage that, again, no women in the BAFTAs directorial category. I don't know how they keep getting this wrong. Look, I mean, the director category, I think we've been over this a bunch of times. Yes. It's it's systemic. I think, to be entirely honest, Greta Gerwig's in our fives. Yes, I mean, she's my, no question. She's my four right now, and I, I doubt she's going to get bumped off. I, I agree mean, with I that. I got a few more to see. You know, we get to these a little later than other folks. But in the acting categories, it, this is just disgusting. There's no excuse. Jennifer Lopez should be in anybody's top five. Lupita Nyong'o should be in anybody's top five. It's bullshit. Uh, Cynthia Rebo's on the level, in our opinion, even though that performance, that movie has its flaws. Yep. Uh, no, I, I don't get it. it nobody from Dolomite in the Aquafina, acting categories can host song. It's not like you didn't. I, I hate the the counter outrage. Is that well? What do you want? Just a quota fill? It's not quota filling. These are no. worthy performances that all should have been merited and considered. And there's certain ones. Whether you take the woman in the directing category angle, or you take the person of color in the acting category angle. There's ones that the Baptists did put in that just aren't as good. Quite frankly, like objectively speaking, they don't live up to some of the other ones that are left out now because of them. I totally agree. And we're not just you know pulling this out of left field. Yeah. Because these great actors have all of the other nominations. Yeah. yeah. What are they doing? I mean, Lupita Nyong'o is is this year's Ethan Hawke from last year. She's racking up wins and nominations all over yeah. the critic circles. She's leading the field. She's the lead actress with the most wins to her name. Are we going to do this again? The leader isn't going to make Oscar Sunday two years in a row in the lead acting category? It's a little. It's getting a little silly. I'm getting tired of making excuses for people. <laughs> Maybe it is that they don't love horror movies. They don't watch horror movies. They don't go and see horror movies. Us is a horror movie. I don't know. The rest of the freaking world saw it. It made it made a load of money. Four hundred million or three something. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's uh, absolutely ridiculous. A finger of shame to the Baptists. It's well earned and well deserved. And I we don't like starting on such a dour and sour negative note. But it's one inescapable if you're on film Twitter. Two rightly so because it's it's worthy of being chastised and worthy of having the finger of shame pointed at it. 
All we can do is say what we always say, that hopefully this gets fixed in the future. But like Mike just kind of alluded to, we're getting pretty tired of saying these things. This doesn't need to happen anymore, especially because it's been pointed out so heavily and so routinely in the last few years, especially. It can't be a coincidence that these favorites in the critic circles, these favorites from all of the other award shows, rather are getting neglected at this show, at that show, overseas. Something in the water for sure. It's just, it's, figure of shame is where we'll land on that. So that is the negative and that's the controversy. And with every award show, it seems like in the day and age of social media, we're going to have a controversy to talk about. Hopefully the Academy can fix those ills and it won't be an Oscar so white 2.0, which is a really easy hashtag to get trending again. So we'll hope that the Academy can fix what the Baptist did wrong, but let's get into these nominees. Like we said, we're covering a bunch of them today. We're going to work in these category by category. So we're going to work in the Directors Guild Association noms, the Writers Guild Association nom, the Producers Guild Association noms, which also are the three guilds that are heavily tied into correlation with how these films will do in the Oscars mm-hmm. in those separate branches. And of course the BAFTAs as well. So instead of taking it award show by award show, we're going to go category by category for you today. Going to spit out some trends, going to spit out some stats and some facts. Uh, just try to shape the narrative and keep in mind, all we're doing is trying to tell you with the eye towards Academy Sunday, where all these movies fit now as a result of all these nominations today. So Michael, let's start today with what the BAFTAs call the best film and what the PGA calls their biggest prize. It's 1917, The Irishman, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Those are the BAFTA five, and those are also the first five at the PGA, we would think, right? Are those the big five is what I'm wondering. So what's big five mean to you? Because yes, top five contenders. Yeah, I would agree. You're going one, two, three, four, five. Those are going to be probably the top half of the best picture category. I don't know that all five have a realistic path towards winning best picture, but I think that's how I would power rank those right now, yes. However, Joker, I, I could see Joker catching fire at some point. I was predicting it to win the Globe. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it got close there. But I am surprised that Marriage Story isn't one of these five. If you asked me a month ago, I would have had Marriage Story in here. I, I don't know if I would have had 1917 in here, even though the buzz of late's been pretty clear. Yep. Uh, but it does seem like this is your five. This is your five that is going to contend in a major way. 1917, Irishman, Joker, Hollywood, Parasite. Yeah, I agree with that. Just a stat for you. Since the Oscars Best Picture field expanded to 10 potential noms in the 2009-2010 show, the film that landed the most BAFTA nominations has only failed to land a Best Picture nomination at the Oscars one time. That was back in 2015-16. Carol uh, shared the lead, but it led BAFTAs with nine nominations that's usually a good precursor of things to come if you lead the BAFTA field in noms you're going to be nominated for best film as well that means you're probably going to land a best picture Oscar nomination Joker is probably a lock like I said though to me I don't see a path right now for Joker to win I think we still have the big four yeah and one of those big four to me is is dwindling I think Parasite it does not look good after today's nominations up uh, and down the card Parasite did get the SAG nomination and if mm-hmm. Parasite's nominated in supporting actor with Kang Ho Song if it's nominated throughout the rest of the card and we know it's going to win best international film perhaps it's it's still going to find its way in there it could win the BAFTA I mean Parasite could start its sweep you know, coming up. You're absolutely right. I'm not counting it out. I'm not saying it's dead right now. Yeah. I'm just saying of the big four after today's noms, yep. I think it's on life support. Now you're right. It, if it could win, it could win the PG. It could win the ensemble. It could win all these yeah. things. I've been skeptical that it was going to win best picture from the jump. But yeah. You there have. was just an overwhelming, you know, 
Buzz from the Hive, perhaps. <laughs> but look, I mean, 1917 and Joker did not get SAG Ensemble nominations. Did that really hurt Joker because it's a one-man show? Did that really hurt 1917 coming out of the Globe win and the fact that it's going to be a technical masterpiece? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think that takes away from its best picture winner chances. 1917, I'm going to have something else to say about that gaining steam in another category, one of the screenplay categories later on. So 1917 is making moves. Joker made a move today, though, with those 11 nominations. Yeah, you got to take it seriously now as far as a lock for best picture again. Uh, it's going to be in the top five. What else did we have rounding out the field here for the PGA noms and BAFTA snubs? All right, so these are BAFTA snubs as well, like Mike said. Ford v. Ferrari or Le Mans. 66, depending where you're watching it. <laughs> Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, Little Women, and Marriage Story. All right, those are the other five at the PGA. And I'm really happy for Little Women here. Me I'm too. really happy for Knives Out. I Me think too. we expected Jojo Rabbit, yep. Ford v. Ferrari, and Marriage Story. I think if we were going to pick an eight, it would have been the big five plus those three. Yeah, I agree. But now we have some hope that Little Women can be a late breaker, that Knives Out can just be that popular film imperative, you know, boosted nomination. Because it really is something that's that's done very well at the box mm -hmm. office. It's getting a lot of noms where it needs them, I would say. People might just love that movie overall. And same for Little Women. So what does the best picture field kind of look like at this moment? I, I agree with what you're laying out here. We have those five. Joker, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, and Parasite. Those are locked in as right now as five best picture nominees. Jojo Rabbit is the only other movie out there that was nominated in every major guild's major award. Mm -hmm. That's a lock for Best Picture, I would say, right it now. That's be. six. We think Marriage Story is sitting comfortably as a seventh-place finisher. I said a couple weeks ago I felt like Marriage Story was fading. I think it's going to finish with a bunch of noms. It may not win very much on Oscar Sunday, but those are two separate conversations. I think you're right. I think Marriage Story is safely in there as a seventh nom right now. So... We have Knives Out, Ford v. Ferrari, Little Women, Two Popes, Uncut Gems, and I guess you can call Rocket Man in there too as six movies with yes. the outside yes. shot right now getting as many as three spots. How many nominees do you think Best Picture ends up with from this field right now? It's looking like a nine rather than a than an eight this year, but I I, I don't know. I got to do more stats. Yeah. I got to do more breakdowns before Friday. That's a tease, folks, <laughs> because the two popes was something that I would have been leaning toward. Mm -hmm. I would say, and that got snubbed at the PGA. Did not factor in at the BAFTAs very much at all. The farewell was really losing steam a long time ago. A twenty four. We heard that they were pulling out on mm. some of their campaigning for it and putting their money into uncut gems after that seemed to be you know a win-win for them in the sense that it's going to make money because it was released at the same time as oscar campaigns yep. and it also seemed like something that was stronger a after little the, momentum well, after yeah. the critics choice literally you know tabbed it in a couple major categories including director sandler won the uh, national board of review best actor exactly. it, had, it had other momentum yeah for sure so i understand why they did that uh sad for the farewell though because I, yeah I, I, I kind of figured this was going to be the case months ago when we reviewed it, and I didn't think it was going to be a huge Oscar movie. I'm still holding out hope that it'll squeak in with a screenplay nod, but I don't see it at this moment. Yeah, it's kind of where I land on it with the farewell as well. I think we have, like I said, as far as the best picture window, seven that are sure. I'm tempted to say Ford v. Ferrari is kind of safe because I just can't imagine it not getting other nominations elsewhere on the card, especially sound and maybe editing. Little Women, I know I'm getting a couple nominations from Little Women on Oscar Sunday. 
the other movies on the outside, Knives Out, you're hoping to get a screenplay nom. Two Popes, you think you might get an actor nom, maybe two, but maybe zero. Uncut Gen- These are you, I don't know where the other nominations are surely coming from. Right now, the best picture to me kind of feels like nine with the potential to expand to ten. I don't know. Wow. We, we both see this the same way. Yeah. We're both probably going to be wrong. <laughs> uh, PGA stats, 20 winners in common with the Oscars since 1989. 20 out of 40, that's 50%. So look, I mean, it matters but how much does it matter this is a particular case where it's mattered recently it sure has with shape of water and green book yeah and they picked but, nine of the last 11 eventual best oh, wow. picture winners so yeah. before shape of water and green book they were off two years in a row and then they had a string of like seven in a row that worked for them so good tag team stat job by us right there look if it's 1917 or hollywood that wins the pga big prize that's the betting favorite for best picture i think it has to be. Yeah. I mean, looking at those last 11 years. And a lot of these precursors have been very predictive. Uh, let's just be honest with you. I, th- I think in my research over this last week, basically cross-checking everything, mm-hmm. the trends are, are point that way. And I know a lot of people don't want to say it because I think the outliers are way the <laughs> F out there. Okay? They're out there. But it's still predictive by the numbers, unfortunately. Let's move on into director, Mike. The DGA picked their five. Sam Mendes, Martin Scorsese, Taika Waititi. Yeah, how about that? Quentin Tarantino and Bong Joon-ho. We have an 87% crossover in terms of winners between the DGA and the Oscars going all the way back to 1948, Michael. That's 71 total winners, 62 of them. Have happened at DGA first, so this certainly is a predictive category. Yeah, we talked about this uh, months ago. I don't remember why it came up, but we kind of highlighted that the Directors Guild seems to be the guild most correlated with its partner in the Oscars as far as success and predicting who's going to win both. I would have thought this was Bong Joon-ho's category before the Golden Globe Sunday in 1917 started its momentum, so I I don't know what to expect from this, quite frankly, and I kind of like that. I kind of like it too. Uh, it's a wide open race now because you have huge names. You got a preliminary favorite. You, you got narratives mm. with the the last dance, or the last waltz, I guess I should say, for Martin Scorsese. <laughs> you got uh, Quentin Tarantino just threatening retirement every time. Every time there's a microphone in front of him, is in sight. And I don't know if I could blame him. I mean, it's definitely a strategy. I would say. <laughs> He's not retiring. Stop it. He might follow through. I don't know. We all know what he's going to do. He's going to go take a sabbatical. Exactly, right. He can't, he can't stay away. The 10th film from Quentin Tarantino <laughs> in 2025. Yeah. Probably going to happen. All right. Uh, let's let's move on to the BAFTA noms. Sam Mendes, or Mendes, Scorsese, Phillips, Todd Phillips, that is. Yeah. Tarantino and Bong Joon-ho. So the big difference, YTT in the PGA, Todd Phillips at the BAFTAs. Todd Phillips also scored that Golden Globe nomination as well. Yeah, so Phillips gets in the BAFTA nominating for Best Director, but he's left outside of the Directors Guild Association, and we just talked about the strong correlation between the Directors Guild picking their winner and the Academy picking the Best Director. To me, might be a signal of there might be a wide body of people out there ready to embrace Joker, I don't know that the Academy is that body. I don't know that they're willing to come on with open arms and take Joker as a double-digit nominee on Oscars Sunday. I still feel like, if again, I know people are going to be tired of hearing me say this, but predictively, if the Academy is still the Academy that pushes compromised candidates like The Shape of Water and like Green Book to the top to best picture wins, if there's still enough of those people out there, yeah. I don't 
see Parasite doing well in that body. I don't see Joker doing well in that body. I would totally agree with you on that rationale. I just wonder if the Joker movie is a sick pleasure for people. If it just worked yeah, could on be. a primal level, even though it's a story about a villain, it's just a, a strange movie. It's a unique film. And the production values are tremendous. Yeah. And that one performance is tremendous. It is certainly an Oscar-level film. We did a whole rewatch series building up to it for a reason, because we saw something in it. Even though I think both of us had a strong distaste yes. for the story and the screenplay. We're going to have more on that screenplay coming up. Let's talk snubs, though, in the BAFTA from the PGA. Greta Gerwig and Lulu Wong are two obvious snubs. And we're very upset that no women are nominated here. Again, we we have Gerwig on our fives. Yeah, Gerwig, Alma Harrell, Olivia Wilde, Lulu Wong, Maureen Scafaria, Marielle Heller. Al- Alma Harrell, I get it a little bit. It's a it's a strange movie. I don't know if the composition is as strong there. I'll be honest with you. Noah Baumbach, you can give him credit elsewhere, and I think they will with screenplay. I think that's a surefire bet, and I think the screenplay really drives that movie. Otherwise, you're kind of just you know you're putting a camera in a room and you're I agree. people go off. I agree. I agree know? with that. Uh, but Gerwig, I mean, the, she directed the hell out of that. Lulu Wong directed the hell out of what Scafaria she did. too, man. The more I th- rewatch and think about Hustlers, I, I, would, I agree. you can make a case for any of them objectively over Phillips easily. And going head-to-head with any of those versus Taika Waititi, again, maybe the strength in Jojo Rabbit is more in the screenplay because adapting that source material, my God, to have that type of movie, he deserves all the credit in the world, but it's at least an interesting argument Mm -hmm. to have those go head-to-head. So I I just, I don't get it. And again, we're in the director's category. Can't go without mentioning uh, the finger of shame for all of those. And go back for a second on Scafaria. I just re-watched Hustlers and I added points to my Yeah, there you go. So that's that's a, that's a mark of a great yeah. movie, a, a rewatchable movie, something that you want to go back to. I think that movie is dense. I think it's well made. Lorene Scafaria, maybe she didn't break in this year, but she needs to be a name to be reckoned with going forward. Mike, we're going to move on to lead actress now. The BAFTA noms are Jesse Buckley wow. from Wild Rose. She has shown up nowhere but some yeah. critic circles Good up Lord. to this point. I loved her in that performance. She is a Scottish country music singer. Which is exactly as weird as it sounds. We've all been there. It, it's tr- it's a terrific <laughs> film. It's got a great original song that I hope I hope gets nominated somewhere else as well. I'm rooting for. Her. I was screaming for her months ago. Yeah, and she didn't you were. show you were up. High so on she was like, uh, by the wayside, another music movie. <laughs> and I didn't think it was going to happen, but here it happens on her home turf. I'm happy for it. Let's just say that. Yeah. Starting off. Because I'm not going to be happy going forward here because we got the same four white girls. <laughs> yeah, we sure do, don't we? Scarlett Johansson from Marriage Story, okay. Saoirse Ronan from Little Women, I'm with you. Charlize Theron from Bombshell and Renee Zellweger from Judy. It's just a little boring. Let's just say that it's a little It's boring. very boring. <laughs> Charlize Theron, I still don't get it. We just reviewed it. That's I, how I, I feel about Johansson, quite frankly. I know you're very high on that performance. I'm just not. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't get it, and I don't get why Zellweger's being crowned all across the board. It's I love such Renee. a default. Yeah, I I've do too, have. but I, it's just such a default. Like, oh, I guess there's no outstanding performance. Let's give it to Renee Zellweger. That's how it feels to me. I know it's not that. It's really good. It's really good. I, I don't know. It's it's strange, but is how special is it? To me, Lupita Nyong'o is special. She's my number two on the Man, universe Man, I thought, sure, the Bathers were going to nominate the actors acting 
performance in Lupita. I'm so disheartened by this, almost more so than the directing category. I just thought they would see that and they wouldn't be able to get enough and they would just wholly embrace her. And she's such a talent. She's already had a track record of success. So you're not risking anything by betting on a newbie, a new person in the industry. Exactly. I just thought it was all there. She's got the critics role this year. She's already been nominated at the SAGs. It's a safe bet. And they just didn't do it. And I don't understand why they go the European route. They stay home, like you said. Jesse Buckley, good for Jesse Buckley. Put Lupita in over ScarJo. Put her in over Renee. Make some headlines, you know? I would have enjoyed that for sure. Yeah. Uh, Cynthia Revo, a surprise snub here. Yeah. Aquafina's been building that resume here and there. I, I But unfortunately, she's now bumped to the second tier. Look, uh, Saoirse deserves this. She always did. Yeah. I, I agree with that performance. Uh, but, you know, Arivo, Lupita both got SAG, which is typically predictive. They both got the Critics' Choice nom. Lupita did not get the Globe nod. Arivo did. Aquafina adding the Globe win. She also got a Choice nom. I mean, those are like the next three, correct, I would say? I would agree. I, I think right now we probably have four slots accounted for right now with Saoirse being uh, where she is. I, I Renee's safe. ScarJo probably safe. Charlize probably safe. Saoirse looks like a safe bet for fourth. That leaves one spot for Buckley, Aquafina, Lupita, and Arivo. And don't forget that stat, Mike. Seven times in the last ten years alone we've had a lead actress that nailed Critics' Choice, Golden Globes, and SAG noms to say nothing about the BAFTAs, mm -hmm. just Critics' Choice, Golden Globes, and SAGs, and doesn't make the Oscars group. Arrivo might be in danger of that this year, adding to it. That's unfortunate. Uh, let's move on to the lead actor category. The BAFTA noms were Leonardo DiCaprio, Adam Driver, Taron Egerton, jo oh, jo Joaquin? Joe Keen. Joe Keen. <laughs> Noah. Joaquin Phoenix and Jonathan Price. Okay. Can I scream this loudly enough for everyone to hear me? Leo is safe. He's going to be nominated at the Oscars, all right? Only one time in history has a lead actor nom landed Critics' Choice, BAFTA, Golden Globes, and SAG nominations and failed to land nomination at the Oscars while his film was still a Best Picture nominee. That was Tom Hanks with Captain Phillips, and Captain Phillips was only a six-time Oscar nominee. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to be a double-digit-time Oscar nominee. They're not going to leave the lead performance out by the wayside to join that group. Is that a parlay? <laughs> you're good. You're is really that TikTok? Good. Is this what TikTok you, is? I don't know how you do these stats because I, I'm doing one-to-one -one stats. I got two columns open at the same time. Yeah. And I'm literally writing one thing down then writing the other thing down because if I trust my brain to remember it, I won't be able to figure it out and I'll be spitting nonsense out here. Yeah, well, the truth is I just make these up. They're not, there's no factual basis. No, no I, I don't know. I just, I have, I'm trying to form a narrative here is basically what it's fueled by and no. just anger and spite towards people Power saying Leo's out. But that's like a two-minute stat yeah. or, or like a one-minute stat that probably took you 40 minutes to confirm. Didn't take a short time. <laughs> <laughs> Antonio Banderas, Eddie Murphy, Robert De Niro, Christian Bale, Adam Sandler, and I want to mention Paul Walter Yeah, Hauser man, again. come on. Damn, I would have loved it. They are snubbed. Uh, Antonio Banderas, I think, is a surprise snub. It's not a name I'm familiar with. <laughs> Literally, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> John, Jonathan Price. He is the BAFTA surprise here. He gets in, and he doesn't have a SAG or choice. He does have a Globe and a BAFTA now. He might be fighting it out with Banderas, Murphy, and Bale. Uh, so do we have a big four, though? I mean, Leo, Driver, and Phoenix, they've been our big three yes. forever. Now do we have a big four with Edgerton, who missed Critics' Choice, 
but he has the Globe win, the SAG, and now the BAFTA. Yeah, I think Egerton's safe. Even if you take the Critics' Choice out of the equation completely, he's probably okay as that fourth slot. Since SAG started handing out Best Actor Awards in 1994, there's only been a single time that the Golden Globe Best Actor Comedy or Musical winner <laughs> was also nominated at the SAGs and the BAFTAs, but didn't make the Oscars field. And even that one lone time was James Franco a couple years ago, who probably didn't make the Oscars due to extenuating circumstances outside of however voting bodies vote. So if you win comedy and musical and you're a SAG nom and, and a BAFTA nom, yep. you're going to be in the Oscars field. So I think he's safe. And I think you nailed it on the head. I think what's Price, Bale, Eddie Murphy is going to be fighting it out for that fifth slot. And who's it going to be? We thought going into the Globes, it would be Murphy. If he won the Globe, he would have had all the momentum in the world. That goes to Egerton. I, gun to your head, who are you picking out of that field? Price? Is it back to Price? I, I, Bale is still in the back of my mind. And I can't get him away. The Sagnon was a big surprise for me for him. I guess, gun to my head, I would guess him right now, but I think you can pick whoever of those three. Murphy's just been showing up nowhere since the yeah. Globe, and I, I'm upset about it. It's like SNL. Hosting SNL was his award this year, you know? Yeah, my fear it's going to be Price or Bale, and I don't think they should be in over Banderas and Murphy. I don't think we're going to be satisfied, <laughs> period. Pain and Glory is coming out on Amazon uh, middle of the month, so yeah. we're going to have to watch that again. Supporting actress Mike, we have BAFTA noms, Laura Dern, Scarlett Johansson from Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, it was nice to see. Florence Pugh from Little Women. Great to see. And Margot Robbie is a double nominee from Bombshell and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I like the BAFTAs here. Just, you know, we don't know which performance is better, so we're just going to throw our hands up and put both of them in. Now, the major snub, of course, is Jennifer Lopez. This is a rarity. This doesn't happen often. I don't want to make excuses for them. It's a stripper movie. Are they all hoity-toity? Yeah. Are they, they got their, you know, are they smelling their own farts over there and they just, and thinking they're grand? And what the <laughs> hell are they doing, Mike? Because she was nominated everywhere else. I just rewatched the damn movie. She was great. I don't get it. I, it, I was just saying it the other day, like, Jennifer Lopez, at least we got one nominee in this category that I probably nominated over the last three years because it's on that level. It's special. And they ignore it. Well, you're not going to be happy with what this might mean for her. I'm wondering now, being excluded here, if she might be in trouble missing the Oscars altogether. Uh, I, I think the Oscars don't have the same prejudices to against the genre, let's just say. Oh, I'm not talking I'm, about... Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think they're more excuse yeah. is actual... No, 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 I agree with you. I think they are more willing to accept a more modernized, let's say, picture than the historically the BAFTAs are. I, I just think based on statistics alone, J-Lo's going to be the lone representative from her movie, and it's very rare that a lone representative True. can make headway into the Oscars. We've only had a Best Supporting Actress win as the lone representative three times since yeah. 1990. Uh, so in the past 25, 30-some-odd years, it doesn't happen often. I, I hope she's still there. She deserves to be there. She's still probably my favorite in the category, to be honest. Wow, but by that rationale, Nicole Kidman or maybe Shuzin uh, Zhao would get that fifth nom. The Farewell may have at least one more nom elsewhere. I don't know if it's going to, actually. They, you might have the same situation working for Bates, Zhao, Benning, and, and Lopez, and then Kidman might be the only one who you're getting noms elsewhere. There's a lot of storylines wrapped up in this category alone. You're going towards the Oscars just because of what the BAFTAs did today. One, is Margot going to be a double nominee in the category, since that's obviously possible? If she's not, which yeah. which performance are you going forward with? Well, it's Ben Bombshell Lake. Lately. Yeah, Bombshell's been nominated everywhere, yep. and so has Margot Robbie. So Margot Robbie and Laura Dern should be safe. 
Uh, I would like to see Scarlett Johansson in this category and not in lead actress because I think she could be worthy of winning supporting actress, but if she shows up in both categories, usually if you're a double nominee at the Oscars, you don't win either, especially mm. lately. Mm. So I, I, that's another storyline you could take. Look, of the supporting categories lately, they've kind of been sweeps. So a little mayhem to me, I like, but of the last 50, again, I just want to reiterate this point, the last 50 supporting winners, so the last 25 years, whether you're a supporting actress or supporting actor, only three total have been performances from a lone nominee representing their own movie, and it hasn't happened since Christopher Plummer won for Beginners back in 2011. Yeah, that doesn't look good for J-Lo, but I'm, I'm rooting for her to get the Say nod. Her. She's probably on that next, well, she has to be on the next tier right now in I terms so. of the three yeah. spot, right? I, I wouldn't put Pew ahead of her. And this campaign she ran, and yes. she was everywhere. She was hosting SNL. She's going to do the Super Bowl halftime show. I mean, man, yes. what more does she need to do? But she has everything but the BAFTA scarred. And let, let's be honest, Regina King didn't have the SAG last year, and she yeah. still won. And last year, the supporting actress category was mayhem. It, it was. was not probably more so than this year, to be honest. I predicted more mayhem for this year. Yeah, but we still have time. We have. Time it's true. That's for true. Mayhem. <laughs> Uh, ScarJo has everything but the Globe. Pew now has Choice and BAFTA. Seems to be a late breaker. Little Women seems to be surging. It's doing well at the box office. Florence Pew is tremendous in that movie. If you see it a second time, you will go gaga over it. And and look, I mean, Florence Pugh's had a terrific year with all these other movies. A terrific two years. Look, we love Laura Dern. Everybody yes. loves Laura Dern. This should not be Laura Dern's Oscar-winning performance. And especially against, uh, not against the J-Lo performance, yeah. not against the Pew performance. I would say not against the ScarJo performance in Jojo Rabbit. I, I just, that's how I feel about it. So are you sensing like a Mark Rylance over Stallone at the last second kind of turn? It was, you know, he was sweeping for a while. Dern could be sweeping for a while. And then at the last second... We, we have somebody take it from her? That's what I would like to see happen. I think it's going to be Dern. <laughs> I, I just think it's going to be Dern all the way. It's probably going to be Dern all the way. All right, let's move on to supporting actor. The BAFTA nominations are Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Pacino Pesci, and Pitt. These are the five for a while. <laughs> yeah, they are. The 1990s movie star group, the Planet Hollywood... <laughs> <laughs> they show um, up to the opening they cut in the ribbon bruce willis plays guitar yeah uh look we another snub here jamie fox yeah he got sure. the sag and he doesn't get in here willem dafoe got the choice as a six nominee otherwise it's been those five yeah it has it has and that's you know anthony hopkins getting in for that performance that's got to be a legacy pick, I think. I don't know. I, want, I feel like I'm speaking negatively about a lot of these performances, and I don't want to, and I don't mean to, but it's just... Yeah, I, I've been on the record for a while. I think they're getting this category kind of wrong. Yeah. Uh, I love Shia LaBeouf. I love Sterling K. Brown and, Way, and Waves and in Honey Boy. I think it's wrong. Yeah, look, I did all kinds of stats and research and stuff for every other category, but not this one, because until somebody gives me a reason to believe that Brad Pitt isn't <laughs> going to win this category, I don't see the point in really doing a lot of background and research for it. I hope Hopkins isn't the fifth nominee, because again, I think it's kind of a vanilla performance of his, especially in that legendary career, but if he is, I get it. It's Anthony Hopkins still, who mm -hmm. could read the phone mm -hmm. book and probably be up for nomination, so... Mm -hmm. I, I have very little about the supporting actor category as opposed to the supporting actress one. His compelling yet ridiculous turn as the Dr. Exposition narrator <laughs> in Mission Impossible 2. Yes, yes. I mean, if, if that doesn't sell you on the man's acting chops, I don't know what it's does. Unbelievable, yeah. All right, we got a lot going on with these screenplay categories because we're working in the WGA nominations. Let's talk original screenplay first at the BAFTAs Booksmart. 
Knives Out, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Three of those have been getting nominated everywhere. Knives Out's been getting nominated many places. Book Smart is a nice surprise here. Yeah, it is a nice surprise. And I was happy to see that. And I thought because of some things that we're going to talk about excluding certain properties in the WGA, the Writers Guild Awards, Booksmart was kind of a cursory nominee, and I thought, well, it's at least nice to see it show up in the WGA if those other nominations couldn't be shown, but the BAFTAs picked it outright when everything could have been picked from the original screenplay, so that's awesome to see. So for everything the BAFTAs got wrong, I think they got that one kind of right. Right. It's not the case with the WGA original screenplay, though. We have 1917, Booksmart, Knives Out, Marriage Story, and Parasite. There's a movie with a very long title left out there, <laughs> Yeah, so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, alongside Pain and Glory, alongside The Farewell, they're not eligible to be nominated in the WGA Awards. Quentin Tarantino has never been a member of the Writers Guild Association. Uh, the other two movies, there's other provisions that you have to fall under certain uh, supervision being done under WGA standards, et cetera, et cetera, for the script to be written under. They didn't. So they're not eligible to be nominated for these WGA awards. Now, shame on me because last night I assumed that Booksmart was the vulnerable one here, right? That Same here. Book, Same Booksmart here. hasn't been shown up elsewhere. 1917 has been just a, a huge snowball rolling down the hill, yep. all this momentum. And the guys over at Circuit Breaker Pod, Clayton Davison Company, they've been saying that 1917, if it wants to win Best Picture, it's probably got to get a screenplay nom. That's going to really help its case based on their stats. So 1917 gets a WGA. Here, it gets that original screenplay nomination, but it does not get a nomination on its home turf in the BAFTAs. Booksmart gets both. That's a big deal, right? I think so. I mean, that's... If any movie was going to be helped out by its home field advantage. We saw the the BAFTAs go wild for the favorite last year, trying Mm -hmm. to push it into some kind of category to get it a win. 1917 is a very British movie. It, in fact, is up for Best British Film at the BAFTAs as well, but they don't give it the original screenplay nod? That's bizarre. I I guess you're allocating credit. Maybe you're allocating it towards director. You're allocating it towards the technical aspects of the film. I can get that somewhat, especially if it's action set piece heavy. You know, I I mean, just we're we're gonna we're gonna review it and we're gonna study it a bunch more. But you know, if it's one of those where it's just like, all right, fight over here, chase over there. You know, maybe it's not a screenplay showcase. I would. You could be entirely right. I would just think. That the voting body for the BAFTAs, right. because historically they've kind of done their best to push their biggest best picture contender to the forefront in a lot of these categories, would have done so here as well. And I mean, to not be nominated in screenplay is shocking to me. It's, it's shocking to me, too. And there's uh, going to be another one that surprised me later on. I'll yeah, get if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did not win the Globe, would we be scared for it right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So so wins the Globe. I think there was some kind of a 60% stat there. So no. it's not invulnerable, let's say. But it does seem like it, it should be safe because it got everything else other than the one nominee it wasn't eligible for. Marriage Story and Parasite got everything. Those should be safe. Knives Out did not get the Globe, but it did get a critic's choice. And obviously it had a good day today with BAFTA and WGA. So Knives Out could be that fourth strongest nomination. I hope so. I, w- I mean, that would we both want to see that, right? Just personal preference. I, I think so as well. But at the same time, like, Ryan Johnson's living a great life. <laughs> if if, you know, Pain and Glory, Lula Wong, Booksmart, 
I might be rooting for those as sentimental favorites in a way. It yeah, really comes I, down to those tonight's out being the last one in. I think Booksmart is much more serious threat to be a fifth nominee in this category, original screenplay at the Oscars, uh, than it was before today. And I was like you, I was thinking Booksmart was the vulnerable one when the WGAs came out because, well, The Farewell can't be nominated. And, well, Pain and Glory can't be nominated. And, well, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is probably going to win the category, couldn't be nominated. Now... I, sure, after the BAFTAs agree with it and actually put Booksmart over 1917, eh, maybe 1917 is the vulnerable one in this category. Like you said, are at the top of this. The fact that it didn't get the BAFTA nom makes me think so, despite the conventional wisdom yeah. that it's going to have coattails, right. I guess. But there's five for two spots. Knives Out, 1917, Booksmart, Farewell, Pain and Glory, I would think, are the five wrestling for those last two spots. You know, with Marriage Story, Parasite, and Hollywood and original screenplay. The crossover stat is 64%, 33 out of 51 in terms of winners at the WGA and, and the Academy Award. So three out of five times the WGA is, and more better than three out of five, is picking the eventual uh, original screenplay winner. Some stats working from this point, looking towards predictive success for Academy nomination. Look, the winner is going to be one of these five WGA films or the sixth in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, as that's currently the favorite right now. you got to go back to 2014 for the last Last time the eventual Oscar winner for original screenplay wasn't at least nominated in the category for the WGAs. That was mm-hmm. Birdman that year. Since 1994, though, which was the year of Tarantino's first original screenplay win, so 25 years, six times the eventual Oscar's original screenplay winner was not nominated in the category for the WGAs. Of those six times, two of them were the Tarantino years, and yep. he, again, is not a WGA member, so his films aren't eligible to be nominated for original screenplay at the WGA Awards. The most recent time was 2014, like I just said, Birdman, which fell out of WGA purview, so it wasn't eligible. The King's Speech won the original screenplay, and like Birdman, just wasn't eligible and fell out of rules. 2002 was an interesting case. Bowling for Columbine won the original screenplay award at the WGAs Weird. because they didn't yet have their own separate documentary writing categories, <laughs> so Bowling for Columbine Combine won the original screenplay at the WGAs and was actually the last time before last year when 8th grade repeated the feat that the WGA original screenplay winner didn't get nominated for original screenplay at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Shout out Bo Burnham. So the one time I couldn't account for originally... Have that, fun at the Oscars, losers. <laughs> that was a great speech. speech. Fantastic oh, all-time speech. Uh, the only time the WGA didn't nominate the eventual original screenplay winner at the Oscars was way back in 95 when Christopher McQuarrie's Usual Suspects mm-hmm. script won the Oscar, wasn't nominated at the WGA, I couldn't figure out why. I tweeted out the question, and Christopher McQuarrie answered and said he wasn't a member of the WGA in 95, so he wasn't eligible either. So the bottom line for all of that is the WGA houses the original screenplay winner. It's here. It's one of these five or six films. Hollywood is the sixth. Except when they're... Names rhymed with Arantino. Right. And there's like three more you mentioned. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) All right. Best Adapted Screenplay at the BAFTAs. We'll start there. The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit. Joker, Little Women, The Two Popes. Okay, so The Two Popes gets it here at the BAFTAs. Let's jump quickly to the WGA because instead of The Two Popes, we have A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And then we have The Irishman again. I Heard You Paint Houses is the is the nonfiction book. We have Jojo Rabbit, Caging Skies. How is that book. is an adapted screenplay. <laughs> Joker, listen, comic book fans, I think I asked you once already. I really need an answer. What 
comics, what graphic novels is the Joker movie based on? I want to read that for because that's like the one yeah. thing I haven't read. I read a couple of Joker comics. I read the the one that was just remade into an animated movie, Killing Killing Joke. Joke yep. I read the Killing Joke. I I would like to read that source material. Uh, I read Little Women and Little Women's Here. So the one change is two popes at BAFTA. A beautiful day in the neighborhood at WGA. Otherwise, we got a big four, it seems. Heartwarming to see Little Women. Hopefully, that's going to carry momentum to a nomination on Oscar Sunday as well. We both thought that degree of difficulty was extremely high. We mm-hmm. love what Greta Gerwig did with that script. Uh, this see, it still seems to be a category for either Jojo Rabbit or The Irishman, and The Irishman, I would assume, is ahead by quite a bit right now in the adapted screenplay. I can't wait to talk about the craziness of the Jojo Rabbit adaptation, <laughs> number one. I can't believe that. That book is so serious, <laughs> and I'm going to have to mention it. I don't know if it's going to have to be a spoiler segment, but I'm going to have to tell you how fucked up that book I want to hear it, too. And how, I just I don't understand. And how eclectically weird the actual movie is. It's so strange. Uh, the Two Popes, it's a play. They didn't have any flashbacks in the play. They were just monologues. The, the actor would just come out and tell the whole story. What do we think about that? When he was younger, this is what happened. And in the book, they, or in the movie rather, they dramatize it. Do we like that or do we think the flashbacks helped? I was bored by yeah. all the flashbacks in the movie. I don't know about you. But it was the only time. I, I didn't care for them, but it was the only time there was like something to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like you know, that's how I feel about it. We have a big four, though. We think Irishman, JoJo, Joker, and Little Women. We'll see who gets that fifth nom. One quick stat: winners in common at the WGA and the Academy, seventy-two percent. Very high. I mean, this is we're talking about. This, these are the categories that the Academy usually mirrors quite often: three out of five times, seven out of ten times. Joyce Eng wrote an article for Gold Derby from last year, talking about correlation of success at the WGAs and Oscar success. It's worth noting. That last year, strangely, was the first time since 2002, the Bowling for Columbine year, that WGA had its two screenplay winners, neither of which would win the Oscar category. So usually, generally speaking, every year, at least one of the WGA winners mirrors its success on Oscar Sunday. It's likely that a non-WGA-nominated film in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to win the original screenplay category, at least as we sit here today to speak about this. So you would think the other one's going to come true. And again, it seems like a two-horse race. The Irishman and Jojo Rabbit are kind of the two, to me anyway, from what I've seen. Should be. Little Women's by far I'm a with better you, adaptation than both of them. By a lot, in my opinion. Because the Irishman got the ending wrong. And Jojo Rabbit, I just don't know. I don't. I mean, then again, Jojo Rabbit. Well, I was gonna, that's what I was going to say. Well, know, we both think it's better than the Irishman adaptation. I didn't like the Irishman right. adaptation. I love the middle. That's the thing. Like, Zalian writes the hell out of those sure. middle, middle scenes. I'm not it's saying like, it's bad. Yeah. It's like, for, it turns a quantity. Mm-hmm. Like, if that was just a normally sized movie, if the, <laughs> the movie was just those middle two and a half hours, Zalian would, might have written the best just screenplay ever. Described every Terrence Malick film ever. <laughs> <laughs> he might have written the best screenplay ever if that was the movie. But there's a beginning hour. Hey, kid. You gotta fix that car, kid. I'm four years older than you, sir. (laughs) And I look it. Supposed to be 25 here, kid. I gotta teach you how to fix this car. What in the Sam F? That movie's ridiculous at the beginning. It was ridiculous at the end. I'm sorry. I know people love the Irishman. I just call malarkey. I call malarkey. It's nonsense. I am with you, and yet it goes back to... Has there been a more perfect movie 
right. to pitch to the middle of the road Oscar voter than the Irishman in the last couple beloved director, yeah. inoffensive cast, <laughs> mafia movie. And the Oscar puzzle may factor in here. Yeah. They're going to want to give the Irishman something. And yeah. maybe it's not getting much. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. Again, it's got time. It could still rack up some wins and who knows? It could sweep somewhere the rest of the way. Yeah, if you don't know what the, the Oscars votes. puzzle theory is, don't worry. we got a spiel coming up about that to fill you in there too. All right, we're going to make our way through the rest of these categories a little quicker. We have film not in an English language from the BAFTAs. And, and look, in all of these categories, this is the worst name category ever. <laughs> all right? It's just, it's terrible. It's not good. Film not in an English language. And the award for something that is not something else goes to. <laughs> Shut up. Enough. Enough. This is ridiculous. That's a good point. Best International Films, a superior title. I can't believe the Oscar was a forerunner on that. And then again, there's probably like 10 other award shows who did it first. Oh, yeah. Without question. All right. I just said I was going to go fast, and I, I went into a two-minute anecdote. The Farewell, Forsama, Pain and Glory, Parasite, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And that's notable because Portrait of a Lady on Fire gets in over... Les Miserables here, and Les Miserables was everywhere else. <laughs> it was. With Portrait of a Lady on Fire for the most part. And I like to see Portrait of a Lady on Fire <laughs> head-to-head with Parasite, quite frankly, even though I know Parasite's going to win the category. Of course it will, but yeah, it's, it's nice to see. Uh, I, I don't have much here. This is going to be Parasite, right? This is going to be Parasite. Pain and Glory seems to be nominated everywhere else. Portrait of a Lady on Fire, The Farewell, and Forsama are not on the Oscar shortlist. Forsama will probably be a documentary nod, and The Farewell seems to be losing steam, but it's got a chance in screenplay. It's got a chance in a few other spots. Portrait of a Lady on Fire, can, can't you just see that, like, getting a cinematography nomination late? I know this is recency sure. bias. Sure. Well, I mean, everybody that watches it seems to be a fan of it. It's got Adele some Hynel. 90 odd. Just yeah. get a supporting actress nod at the end of the day. Yeah. That would make us happy. Documentary, Mike, we have American Factory, Apollo 11, Diego Maradona. That's cool to say. Forsama and the Great Hack. Yeah, so just uh, you have the reminder here, Diego Maradona did not make the Oscar shortlist. The big surprise, One Child Nation has been everywhere. It's not here in the BAFTAs. Amazon just gave up, right? <laughs> I mean, let's just say, they're not chasing good money after bad. I mean, they know that they're not getting much this year. Maybe they just reallocated funds. And... Could be, yeah, but you'd still like to be nominated, wouldn't you, at the Oscars? You're going to get some free views out of that alone. I don't know. I shouldn't talk shit about a giant... <laughs> corporate I don't think you're wrong. I, I haven't seen it. It they... used to be all over YouTube yeah. in those free the pre-roll ads. It used to be at least showing up on television. I haven't seen it lately, so I, I, you may have hit the ball on the head there. May God or Jeff Bezos strike me down <laughs> if I'm wrong. No, I well, Bezos say. is working on it. Don't uh, worry. So Forsama gets a nod here and a nod at film not in an English language. <laughs> oh, fucking title. <laughs> is it going to win documentary? Because it also crushed at BIFA. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing it's holding on to, right? The other European competition in the category has been Honeyland. That's not here. It's a British show. (laughs) They like their European films. They like their European nominees. And Apollo 11 is a very heavily American-type movie. Very true. So, yeah, I could absolutely see it winning here. I want to make the case quickly for the Apollo. Uh, Just real quick. It's in the Oscars shortlist. It got snubbed here, but... Enjoyable, great music, great history, fun watch. It's on HBO On Demand right now. I don't get why they didn't talk more about how the state of New York had to basically take over the theater because they're like at one point in the documentary, and it's and it's just riveting stuff. Hmm. And then they're at one point in the documentary like, oh, by the way, 
they've been losing $2 million a year. We got to take this over as a state of New York. Oh, I, did I not wanted know that, that backstory yeah. too, but it was one of those documentaries. Where I was like, I want more. Yeah. I want more. So it was really cool. Really fun. Uh, you get, you get a lot of great performances and uh, just a real fun documentary. Definitely put that on HBO. So, but it doesn't live up to the standard of may this category. You don't think to me, it's like way more fun than the great hack. Oh, so the it great, does. The great hack was pins in my eyes. <laughs> terrifying i mean it might be it might be dead on right we all might be going to hell the apocalypse might be starting very soon whatever that company was called i probably should have remembered it but this is how my brain shut off i know it and i can't think of it and i i did watch the great hack and yeah it's it's true we're all screwed and i'm afraid of the edge of democracy i still haven't watched it folks this is the fourth time i'm bringing it up i'm afraid to watch it i don't want to your guilt is going to manifest itself into a babadook I have a Babadook over my shoulder right now, and it's a Brazilian politics film documentary. All right, animated film. We have Frozen 2, Klaus. Klaus? Yeah, our old German friend. I'm going to skip this next one and Toy Story 4. (laughs) No! Come on! A, number one. It's called A, Sean the Sheep movie. Yeah! There's two articles in that. Colon, Farmageddon. If this doesn't win. All right. Look, Sean the Sheep, are, are your nephew, niece into this? I have no idea no, what it is. you never heard of this. I've never so heard of it. you have no it. attachment to this. I'm shocked I lost my body is not here. But look, this title should disqualify this film. I have no idea. It maybe might be adorable. Name, maybe the sheep's name is Aeshawn? <laughs> they might be teaching kids how to save the planet in that film <laughs> from Farmageddon. It's got the, the whole, most wholesome message ever. In which Farmageddon is, is global warming. We are literally judging a book by its cover right now. <laughs> but Missing Link just won the Globe. Yeah. It's not nominated here. You just mentioned I Lost My Body. How to Train Your Dragon 3. Not nominated here. Just bizarre. Saw this from Mark Johnson on Twitter at Mark Likes Movies. No film has ever won the Oscar for animated feature without a BAFTA nom. Whoa. So that would kind of put a pin in Missing Link's momentum, I would think. All right, thank you. That's all I want to say. Look, Leica makes great films. Kubo and the Two Strings could yeah. have been a contender that year for me, for my money. Coraline was another one that I loved. Not this one. This one turned out to be like a 1980s movie. It just turned out to be about a 40-year-old white guy. Who gives a fuck? So if that's out... <laughs> that's my review of Missing Link. <laughs> well, I, Who gives <laughs> Because Missing Link was a shocking, shocking win for us on Golden Globes shocking. Night. So if that's out, and that's not going to carry momentum into Baptist Sunday, they got to give it to Toy Story now, don't they? I don't know. I think it's sequel fatigue here. I think it's Disney cannibalization. Oh, I think God. the toys are eating the... Get on up here, Farmageddon! <laughs> Yeah, fine. Come get your trophy. Sheep might be, wow, just so bizarre. All right, let's move on. Let's get into the undercard here. And you have a spiel, as you just termed it to me. Here's where I try to convince you that Parasite is not doing well. Uh, And we have to visit it at the hospital on its off days. So now it's time to talk about the technical category nominations. Or as we as MMO have lovingly called them, the undercard categories. Uh, These are the ones that make up one half of our Oscars puzzle theory run for the most part. Now, the Oscars puzzle theory is a theory we here at Mike, Mike, and Oscar have come up with over the years that can be used in two different ways. The first way is for predicting the major categories and reading the Academy tea leaves. So like Mike kind of told you before, essentially, if you believe that the Academy wants to spread love around and reward different films, then you can prognosticate 
prognosticate that film X will win category Y because film A has to win category B. So an example of this would be like a few years ago, we predicted Jordan Peele would win original screenplay instead of best director for Get Out because the Academy wanted to recognize both he and make the case for Shape of Water being a serious best picture contender. So while the argument could have been made that Peele deserved director more so than screenplay, we predicted he'd win screenplay and Guillermo del Toro would win director, which is what happened. Shape of Water won and best it picture. Was wrong. It was wrong. It was just wrong. <laughs> Yeah, we're totally off base. Never. We're right. trying to rationalize why the Oscars are wrong. Right, exactly. <laughs> Make it okay in our minds. <laughs> the other half of the Oscars puzzle theory is what is at play here going forward, and it has to do with predicting best picture. And that is, for a film to be a serious best picture contender, it needs to do well on the undercard categories. Since 1936, no film has won less than, at least one other Oscar or had less than at least three other nominations on the night and one top prize. In fact, Spotlight a few years ago was the only best picture winner since 1952 to have won only one other Oscar on the evening. And even that ended up nominated in the editing category along the way. Right. So basically to win best picture, you have to at least show up in a technical category. And the more you do, the better your chances to be a best picture. The BAFTA's award category is very similar to the Oscars, including a lush field of undercard categories. Their technical categories are cinematography, sound, score, VFX, production design, costume design, hair and makeup, and editing. We're going to go through all of them. They don't break up the sound categories as the Oscars do, and they do, starting this year, have an extra technical category that the Oscars should have in casting. And God, am I going to be confused about that category, but we're getting there. Okay. Parasite was not nominated in any technical category at the BAFTAs. So does this mean Parasite won't win Best Film at the BAFTAs? Well, the BAFTAs expanded their categories to mimic the Oscars way back in 84-85 at the 38th installation of the BAFTA Awards. In the following 35 years, mm. the number of films who have won BAFTAs Best Film without a single technical category nomination is a grand total of one. Hmm. Boyhood did it back in 2014-15, but it also won Best Director and Supporting Actress and had another nomination on the night in Supporting Actor. Even Four Weddings and a Funeral landed a Costume Design nomination in 1994. And by the way, BAFTAs, 94, you're going to award Four Weddings and a Funeral as Best Film in the year of Forrest Gump, Quiz Show, Shawshank. That's going to be your legacy? But, 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 but it was so charming, Michael. <laughs> it was so charming. So basically going forward, Parasite not showing up in a technical category. That is a gigantic waving from the top of a yeah. mountain red flag for its best picture chances. Or at least its chances to win best film at the BAFTAs. All right, I like how you took this as a BAFTA conversation and you turned it into an Oscar conversation. That You're is welcome. very lawyery of you. <laughs> Look, but the bottom line here is it could still get undercard nominations at the Oscars sure. and fit these stats. But these are great stats. You're probably 100% right. It is definitely kicked into the fourth or fifth position for that best film at the BAFTAs. Uh, is that film in an English language? Is that what you call that one? <laughs> you can't. Because Parasite's is, not. Parasite's not. <laughs> I don't know. They, 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 like, why? Why would I, they do that? I don't know, man. I don't have an answer. Silly. we got to right. get on the phones after this. Original score, Hello, Michael. Mr. BAFTA? Let's start this, uh, <laughs> let's start this undercard. 
overview yes. of that. Original score, 1917 Thomas Newman. Jojo Rabbit. Michael Giacchino! Joker from Hildur Guanatatir. Little Women from Alexandre Desplat. And Star Wars, The Rise of John Williams. <laughs> 1917, Joker's here, Jojo Rabbit. We like a lot of scores this year. We think it's a special year for scores. I'm okay with these. So no Randy Newman. Yeah, that kind of sucks. He did fit. Yeah, marriage story, not showing up. And Motherless Brooklyn, come on. No us. I, I just wanted yeah. Motherless Brooklyn to get nominated here. That's a great score. I've been listening to it. I've been addicted to it. I didn't see Motherless Brooklyn. Yeah, so but I listen know to the score. Yeah. Listen to the score. It's worth just putting on in the background. I don't know if that's it's 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 a salve for your all your wounds, but I'm, it is. <laughs> okay. All right? All right. I'm just well, telling you, it's I'll a really it terrific score. Maybe I'm older than you, and that's the. <laughs> truly the sign of it like, now i don't know 14 months older than me man us us is the <laughs> movie that we're upset about giving here. up hope on that it's been a while and they're not it's not there for golden globes now it's not here for baftas yeah brooklyn had the globe nom us and the irishman had choice noms to me like the irishman just had so much it's so much movie there that i guess it had a score too but i don't remember i don't either i don't i'm, I'm not love yeah. the music yeah all right, here's the main event for the undercard here. We have Joker, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Personal History of David Copperfield, which is not Academy eligible because it got kicked to a U.S. release date of February, I believe, and The Two Popes. Why? I have no idea. Why are these the five? Like, look, how hard is it to cast Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? You got three stars. We, yeah. Joker, it's a one-man <laughs> show. I mean, look, I, I love the, the ensemble there, but it, it's a it's a character study of one actor. Marriage Story, all right, I get it. I mean, it's it's like a seven-hander. Yeah. It's like a seven-hander there. Uh, you got a satire in the personal history of David Copperfield. But the two popes, you got like two popes. Two popes is two dudes in a room talking. Uh, how was that to cast? Can you speak? Can you speak? You guys want to do a movie? <laughs> I don't like, and I know I'm, I'm sarcasm. I Look, know I love the that, idea. But... I love the idea of this category. Yeah, I, I mean that's where I land on it. This should be an Oscars category. I just don't understand these selections at all. Yeah, but it's a fun category. We're rooting for it. Maybe it takes them a couple years to figure, or for us to get it. To, for <laughs> right. us to get on the yeah. same. We'll be the dumb ones. We'll be we'll be dumbasses for now. All right. Cinematography, 1917. No surprise for Roger Deakins. The Irishman, Rodrigo Prieto, Joker, Lawrence Share. Le Mans 66, a.k.a. Ford v. Ferrari, Fadon, Papa Michael, and The Lighthouse, Yarin Blasht. You're very happy about The Lighthouse. I'm happy about The Lighthouse, but it got in over Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Imagine shunning Robert Richardson's work <laughs> as the only reason Once Upon a Time in Hollywood isn't sharing the headline with Joker as the most BAFTA-nominated film. Imagine that Robert Richardson's work isn't good enough to be in this field. If you swap out the lighthouse for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, it's not only what should happen, it's not only what I expect to happen come Oscars time, but it's also what, in fact, the American Society of Cinematographers did for their Guild Awards. Right. Uh, and not that it matters, but this category is as sewn up for 1917 anyway, because Deacons is winning. Deacons had to have done an unbelievable job. He's, he's, he's sweeping everywhere. Editing, all right? And then this could be very, very important now. We have The Irishman, Thelma Shoemaker. We have Jojo Rabbit, Tom Eagles, Joker, Jeff Groth. We have Ford v. Ferrari, Andrew Buckland, Michael McCusker, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Fred Raskin. So this is what's shocking to me about No 1917 and Parasite. I mean, usually if you're going to do, if you're going to have best picture legs, you get nominated in editing. 1917 is a trick, though. It's a trick. They're trying to show no editing. 
But doesn't that and, involve the best editing? We talked about <laughs> this, and we didn't get it. We said it was above our pay grade on a previous episode when I think we talked about the Ace Eddies. I, I don't think we get this one because there's there's tricks going on. There's a gimmick going on here. It's going to seem like one shot, the whole movie. Here's my question about 1917. <laughs> Who the hell is in the HFPA? Because if 1917 did well enough to win the Golden Globes and upsets, mm-hmm. but it's kind of being treated dirtily by the BAFTA dirtily. voting body. New word. Who the okay. hell's voting for this thing in the HFPA? 87 old white dudes. <laughs> from where, though? They're not from Europe. They're from- <laughs> I don't know. That's my question. I want answers. I agree. Something is afoot. I agree. And yet there are 87 or however many guys there are. Very smart, influential influencers <laughs> because they have this huge show and a huge platform that d- tends to be, by the numbers, like we said, something like, I would guess it's like 67% predictive. Yeah. Uh, if you combine all the stats, I meant to do that for this episode, I forgot, because I had all the other stats, at least for the, the main card. I would guess if you if you took all of my percentages together, there would have been something like 60-something percent. BAFTA's push forward the favorite. They push forward three billboards, which have all, also won Best British Film. They push forward all these other Best Picture contenders. Yeah. And they're just not... I mean, 1917 doesn't show up in editing? The movie that looks like there wasn't an edit done to it, that it means it had the most editing? Look, I'm not the judge of the Oscar jury. I want answers! Who is going to tell you why Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to win this thing. I agree. I just rewatched it. Did you order the Code Red? (laughs) I just rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last night. I still love it, too. If we have a big foam finger in the air, it's going to be with uh, Brad Pitt's face on it. You think I'm just undercutting all the challengers to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yes, exactly what you're doing. I see right through you. I have to call you out on it because it's getting a little ridiculous. That film's gonna win. Now you you for a while it was Parasite. You feel like you've laid your case against Parasite. No, I, I genuinely think it's 1917 or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood right now. I, I would agree with you. All right, production design 1917. It's in here. Though. Yes. Uh, the Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, No Parasite, No Little Women, which is. Poppycock. Yeah. Pure and utter poppycock. Yeah. Uh, Ford v. Ferrari is nominated alongside <laughs> the BAFTA listed five for the Art Directors Guild Awards for Best Period Feature Film Design, which is one of their categories. They also have a category there for Fantasy Feature Film where you can find Ad Astra and Avengers Endgame. Uh, but those seem to be, that BAFTA five seems to be nicely in line with what the Art Directors Guild is thinking. Poppycock. I don't disagree. I I don't disagree. I think Little Women was the most beautiful film of the year. It's absurd. (laughs) It's absurd. The sets. You're going to yell at me for wanting to push forward Hollywood. You just want to push forward food. (laughs) The food was beautiful. Best, most beautiful food. It was. It looked delicious. My God. The things I would do. To that food. All right. Oh, Costume design. The, just eat. The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Judy, Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. People are mad at this one. Dolomite is my name is not here. I am mad at this one. Downton Abbey is not here. Many more people are mad at this one because the Rocket Man is not here. Yeah, it's weird what happens when decisions are made on merit instead of who throws the more impressive private concert, huh? Oh, <laughs> but look, come on, man! Rocket Man costumes. I know. I'm having fun. Man. I had to. Hustlers, great costumes, but we know Hustlers been on the outside looking in. You like those Nazi uniforms, though? I guess, right? I, why is that? Why are all the uh, Nazi uh, uniforms yeah. getting up for concerts? I don't costumes? get it. Why is that happening? I don't get Does it. Make and, any sense? and the Dolomite thing to me is. Outrageous. Look, the shoes in Jojo Rabbit make some sense. Fine. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, recognizable I could see that. Yeah. shoes. It's important. Little Women. I get it. Yep. 
the Irishmen. I don't know. I, they're don't, suits. They're suits. That's they're all they suits, are. And they don't make an 85-year-old man look like a 25-year-old And man. I'm sorry, but Judy, I don't get either. I, I understand there's a lot of great well, dresses. Judy, and, yeah, but, but Judy kind of looks like the time. I, I kind of get Judy a little bit. All right. I, 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 I don't see it, and especially not against Dolomite. I don't see, yeah, I don't see Judy over Dolomite, over Downton Abbey, over Rocketman. Yeah, Downton Abbey too, yeah. I, I just don't see it. I don't and see Rocketman, it. yeah, I agree And you're right. The, the Irishman, again, they failed. They failed in that area. The costumes failed. Ruthie Carter, to me, who did the costumes on Dolomite, I don't understand why she's not treated with the reverence that we treat like Alexander Desplat with yeah. or that we treat Roger Deakins with. Like, If she decides to work on a movie in a, any given year, she should be nominated across the board and treated as a front runner. Mike, they go slow-mo. How many times in that movie yeah. just to feature the costumes? I, if there are, are there spect- I don't know how where you many, find those patterns in the wild today. How many scenes are these characters putting on the costumes in a mirror to showcase the Ruthie Carter costumes? It's unbelievable. I mean, it really is. It's it's I, it's bewildering that she's not People nominated here. Watch the movie. They uh, didn't watch the movie. Probably not. There's three film categories for Costume Designers Guild: Excellence in Contemporary Film, Period Film, and Sci-Fi Fantasy Film. Judy, Little Women, and The Irishman are not nominated in any of those categories. Huh. All right, validation, yeah. except for the fact that Little Women should be there. I agree with that. I, I don't understand why Little Women wasn't, but. If that needs to fall for Dolomite to rise in the costume category, I'm, okay. I'm willing to sacrifice it as well. Little Women knows it's a, it's a embrace movie. It's making money at the box office. Netflix just released, and it. it's going to get a serious nom. It deserves adapted screenplay. Yeah, now. it's going to get a serious nom. Yeah. All right, makeup and hairstyling, 1917. All right, okay. I thought they're wearing helmets. Helmets, yeah. That's uh-huh. bombshell. We get sure. Joker, creepy makeup. Yep. Judy looks like okay. Judy Garland. All right. Rocket Man again. You know, he's got a full quaff of hair, and then and he's got a balding hat, whatever. <laughs> a bald cap, yeah. He's got a bald yeah, cap that yeah. looks really It realistic. does look good, yeah. It looks good. 1917, over Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, though? Again, helmets. I could uh, prepare yourselves. Write this timestamp okay. down. yeah. Because I could talk badly about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. For one thing. For one thing. I don't under... Yeah, I don't... I wasn't blown away by makeup and hair. I mean, I guess because of Rick Dalton looking like he did all done up on the set of the Western that he was, that's going to get consideration. But I don't think it's... Well, you're a traitor. I'm just going to call you a traitor. I'm going to use this category to I have to, to win back you. my credibility. <laughs> no, it's probably it's probably true. I, I was just looking at other crossover noms. I probably forgot the category I was looking at. And I was just like, once upon a time in Hollywood, didn't get it here. Because <laughs> I'm so fucking tired. I just want that movie to sweep. All right. Sound categories are both bundled into one yeah. here. Is this prophetic for what the Oscars want to do? We don't know. 1917, Joker, Ford v. Ferrari, Rocketman, and Star Wars, The Rise of Somebody. So this has got to be between Lamaze and 1917, right? You would think so. You would think so, except, you know, Joker, good sound. I mean, Rocketman, again, we talked about the sound guild noms, and they had multiple categories that made That's good true. sense. That's right? true. Yeah. So, so the sound seems like it makes, it makes sense separate. to have more. Keep categories. them separate. I, yeah. I would like to see those separate. A lot of hard work goes into those two distinct variations of sound. A lot of people listening. Yeah. Special visual effects, 1917, Avengers Endgame. Yay! Finally. The, ri- <laughs> the rise of Irishman. <laughs> the rise of Marty. <laughs> The Irishman, The Lion King, and Star Wars. You happy about The Lion King? Look, I guess if you're going to nominate it for a technical achievement somewhere, there or here, it should be nominated for a technical achievement, right? That's what I'm rationalizing at the end of the day. It's probably not a visual effect as much as it is animated feature. I don't know. 
So you're more okay with it being nominated in visual effects than you are animated feature? I not? think it should be an animated feature. Yeah, that's what I, I think. Thought it's a bad yeah. movie, but the animation is spectacular. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. That's where I'm at on The Lion King. However, I think smarter technical film people could convince me otherwise. So if you're one of those people, you know the craft, explain to me why yeah, The Lion We'd King love to hear that. should be in visual effects and not animated feature that, that would be cool to hear yeah that would be cool and I, I, Endgame it's sad it should be nominated for adapted screenplay this year yeah they had some lows I rewatched Endgame recently there's a couple lows with that uh, with the visual effects yeah. it's alright uh, it's good it's want... 300 million dollars <laughs> it's, want... it's gonna look good I want it nominated for adapted screenplay I make, want it nominated a lot of places yeah. a lot of places and that's the that's the truth yeah. that's the gospel truth yeah. that's the jellical alright stop there <laughs> outstanding British film Michael we're gonna do some special British awards here getting a little long <laughs> 1917 bait for Osama Rocketman sorry we missed you the two popes and this is where I keep pounding the drum about how it's weird 1917 isn't portrayed more up and down the card and it's missing out in some key categories uh, like I said before the favorite three billboards Brooklyn all past winners of this category generally they take their best chance at an Oscars best picture and propel it forward with a bunch of noms and have it win this category. You would think that'd be 1917 here, except for it's not an original screenplay. It's not in the technical category that means the most for a Best Picture nom. Just curious holes in the BAFTA's uh, legacy here. Curious holes in some certain resumes. I think we're pointing those, yeah, those out. Yeah, I would agree. Rightfully so. You're doing a great job with that. Outstanding debut by a British writer, director, or producer. We have Bait, Forsama, Maiden, Only You, Retablo. Look, I mean, if Forsama gets momentum here like it did from the BIFA, the, the British Independent Film Awards, it might have that chance at the Oscar. Again, there's a lot, large yeah. crossover. Good. Large crossover. And we know what, a, especially in the documentary category, we know what a mess that is with the Academy every year. And finally, the Rising Star Award. Aquafina, Jack Loden, Caitlin Dever, Kelvin Harrison Jr., and Michael Ward. Yeah, a.k.a. the future best actor and actress category. What a loaded field this is. This award is voted on by the public. We have past winners such as Letitia Wright won it last year, Daniel Kaluuya, Jack O'Connell, Spider-Man himself, Tom Holland. A lot of recent winners have ended up in the MCU, which is just the way of saying that the MCU exists because every young actor ends up in the MCU, apparently. But <laughs> this has been a loaded category. Margot Robbie was nominated a couple years ago, so this is nothing but success, and we've already had people here that have had success. Caitlin Dever, multi-time nominee for Golden Globes. Her movie's nominated here in the Baptist as well. Aquafina, we talk ad nauseum about her and her success, so... <sighs> that a lot of episode right there. That is your nomination episode that is covering once again the Writers Guild of America Awards, the Producers Guild of America Award, the Directors Guild of America Award, and the BAFTAs, which is the British Academy of Television and Film Awards. Those are your nominations, and we tried to track those out by category and let you know what it means for the Oscars picture going forward. So now it's your turn to talk to us. What do you think about all these noms? What do you think is helped out most by today's revealing of nominations? What do you think was hurt most? Do you agree with the parasite summation that I say? Or are you more a fan of also Mike's take that thinking that it's just waiting its turn to break out and start its role? Uh, we want to hear from you as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, concerns that you have about this episode or anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. Uh, you can leave us those at Mike, Mike and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike and Oscar on Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. If you 
happen to use Apple Podcasts, the app, or own an iPhone and have the app on your phone itself, if mm. you wouldn't mind going on the Apple Podcasts app, that little purple square with the white, well, I guess it's called BAFTA for this episode, sticking sure. out of the middle of it. Tap on that. Type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar into the search. Tap on our logo. Scroll down once and leave us a five-star review. It would take you half as long to do so as it did for me to explain it, and it would truly <laughs> go a long way. I'm awfully wordy. I don't think I've breathed in minutes. Michael, what are some words of wisdom? Please stop my talking. It's wise to thank our audience at this point. Sure I think is. this is our best month ever. You know, we're, we're just starting out, but we're really starting strong, and we thank you. We've had a great couple of weeks, and again, we thank you because you are giving us more reviews. You're helping us grow the show organically. You're telling your friends. You're doing something because more people are, are, are clicking. <laughs> yes, thank and you, thank you, thank you. It really helps us, and we're really we're getting excited. And you know, we, we do we work really hard at this, and we're we're trying to do our best. We've been looking up a lot of stats, and um, uh, we're we're talking a lot of words. Just so many stats and so words. many words. So, so many, many stats, stats and words. And this was <laughs> This was a wild episode. This was a an acronym apocalypse. This was a <laughs> acropocalypse. I don't know what it was, but I it was, like that. If I didn't have to type out every single acronym in the show's title, that might be the title of this episode. <laughs> we gotta get it branded, though. I just talk about where branding's starting to work, but I don't know. We'll, we'll have a title <laughs> argument, I'm sure, for 30 minutes after we stop recording. What's coming up next? The Oscar nomination predictions. We'll stop it there because after the nominations come out, we're gonna start our category reviews. We're gonna review 1917, but we don't know in any order because we got all these guests lined up. We're gonna try and book them and get them on the horn and and talk to them about this all this cool stuff about all the nominations. So we have no idea what the schedule is going yeah, to be. It's true. It is really worrying me because <laughs> I like to have my schedule laid out for like four months in advance minimum, and I don't know what's happening. But I know this Oscar nomination predictions. 1917, those are happening over the next two weeks. I don't know much, <laughs> but I know how I love you. <laughs> I um. love that song a lot. <laughs> yeah, and guys, before we say goodbye today, we were going to do this on our Golden Globe recap show. We, we decided to we wait forgot. until we're kind of... We, we, we forgot. forgot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like last year and the year before, our big end of the year, quote unquote, episode where we talk about the best of, we hand out our own very special personal Oscars to the best of the year in film. The Mike, Mike and Oscars award show is mm -hmm. coming up. Uh, we usually do that the day before the Oscars, I think maybe the day after it's right around Oscar time. And uh, just because there's no time to do anything this year because of the truncated schedule, <laughs> uh, we're going to be in a rush for this too. But like last year, we started this last year we want your categories you can present those categories to us on any of our social medias and we're going to do our best to fit in all of them as many as we can so you can ask us the wackiest category uh, we're going to give you our best in film and the regular oscars categories but want to hear more off the wall off the cuff more mm -hmm. intricate questions serious ridiculous what have you whatever from you you could even give us the nominees if you want to choose from and we would be forced to pick one of your nominees but we want to hear from you. We want this to be an interactive award show. We want you to be part of it. We want this to be your show just as much as it is our show because you do as much work in listening as we do is getting these episodes together all year long. And let's be honest, at that point in the year when we're recording like every day, at least that's what we did last year. Who knows what the schedule is going to be this year. I don't, and I'm not worried about it. I'm not really, I'm really not that worried about it. Look, at that point in the year, 
we need you to write our show. <laughs> it helped me so much last year. It really did. You wrote like 70% of the MMOs. We had a better time. We riffed. It was a great show. Go back and listen to it. It was a lot of fun. So please, just be creative. Go nuts. Give us the categories. Give us the uh, the nominees with them, and we'll have a blast. Give us the winners. Tell. Give us the case that who should win. <laughs> yeah. Give us everything, yeah. and we'll speak what you write. Yeah. Mike said it. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, we want this to be interactive and want you to have as much reason to listen to it as you possibly can. So you are the producers of mm-hmm. our award show. Mm-hmm. You are the runners of the Mike, Mike, and Oscars award show. What does that make us? Does that make us? Attempt? We're always the puppets. <laughs> we are always the puppets. Uh, guys, like I said before, leave us those on social media. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram and at MM and Oscar. Our DMs are open. You can slide those there if you don't want to do it publicly. Uh, just leave us those. We'll get to them. We'll let you know when that award show is scheduled and in stone so when you can listen to it. Otherwise, like always, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies and award shows, both real and fake, with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Thank you for listening. Go enjoy all your acronyms, and we will see you very soon. Oh, one more thing. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No more things. (laughs)